Welcome to the Eastside Church Podcast. We're a community-driven church based in Charlotte, North Carolina, and invite you to join us on Sundays at 9 or 11 a.m. For more information, visit our website, eastsidechurch.co. Well, good evening. If you've got your Bibles, turn with me to Deuteronomy, 1 Chronicles, 1 Samuel, and Romans. Deuteronomy chapter 18. How much time do I have? 35 minutes. I'm going to read a lot of scripture, and I've really just got one point. It's a pretty major point. Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 9. God given the law to Moses. When you come into the land which the Lord your God is giving you, you shall learn to follow the abominations of those nations. There shall not be found among you anyone who makes his son or daughter pass through the fire, or one who practices witchcraft, or soothsayer, or one who interprets omens, or sorcerer or one who conjures up spells, or a median, or a spiritist, or one who calls up the dead. For all who do these things are an abomination to the Lord, and because of these abomination, the Lord your God drives them out before you. You shall be blameless before the Lord your God, for these nations which will you will dispossess, listen to soothsayers and diviners. But as for you, the Lord your God has appointed not such for you. You say, wow, that's a weird scripture. <clears throat> it is, isn't it? It's kind of it's different, isn't it? We see all the palm readers and all the things that we see all over the place. This is what I want to point out about this scripture. God gives us the Bible so that we can understand who he is, right? That's why he gives it. Well, if there wasn't a problem with this stuff, he would not have told you not to do it. Correct? If there's not an issue with this, he would not have warned you of its harm. But he's saying that it is an abomination to God. Why would it be an abomination to God? It's because it's real. It's because it has power. It's because it is a source of information. It's just not good information. Right? You tracking with me? So he gives this warning. He gives it out. And... The people struggle with it all their life. Let me give you, if you turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 28, we're going to see, we're going to read this whole chapter. This is Saul. And um, see his, his downfall. But we're also going to see into spiritual things. Now it happened in those days that the Philistines gathered their armies 
in the right place? Yes. They gathered their armies together for war to fight with Israel. And Asher said to David, You assuredly know that you will go out with me to battle, you and your men. So David said to Asher, Surely you know what your servant can do. And Asher said to David, Therefore I will make you one of my servants. I will make you one of my chief guardians forever. Now Samuel had died, and all of Israel had lamented for him and buried him in Ramah in his own city. And Saul had put the mediums and the spirits out of the land, out of Israel. And then the Philistines gathered together, and they came and encamped at Shunem. So Saul gathered all Israel together, and they encamped at Gilboa. And when Saul saw the army of the Philistines, he was afraid, and his heart trembled greatly. And when Saul inquired of the Lord, the Lord did not answer him. If you've got your Bible in verse 6, I would underline. If you don't have your Bible, you could have your app, and you could follow along there. When Saul, I just said that. And when Saul inquired of the Lord, the Lord did not answer him, either by dreams or by Urim or by the prophets. No word from God. Then Saul said to his servants, Find me a woman who is a medium, that I may go to her and inquire of her. And his servant said to him, In fact, there is a woman who is a medium at Endor. So Saul disguised himself and put on other clothes, and he went, and, and two men with him, and they came to the woman by night. And he said, Please conduct a seance for me and bring up for me the one I shall name to you. And then the woman said to him, Look, you know that what look, you you know what Saul has done, how he has cut off the Medians and the Spiritists from the land. Why then do you lay a snare from my life to cause me to die? And Saul swore to her by the Lord, saying, As the Lord lives, as Jehovah, as Yahweh lives, no punishment shall come upon you for this thing. We got all kind of commandments being broken at this particular time, do we not? Then the woman said, Whom shall I bring up for you? And he said, Bring up Samuel for me. And when the woman saw Samuel, she cried with a loud voice, the woman spoke to Saul, saying, Why have you deceived me? For you are Saul. And the king said to her, Do not be afraid. What did you see? And the woman said to Saul, I saw a spirit ascending out of the earth. So he said to her, What was its form? And she said, An old man is coming up, and he is covered with a mantle. And Saul perceived that it was Samuel, and he stooped with his face to the ground and bowed down. Now Samuel said to Saul, Why have you disturbed me by bringing me up? And Saul answered, I am deeply distressed, for the Philistines make war against me, and God has departed from me and does not answer me anymore, neither by prophets nor by dreams. Therefore I have called you that you may reveal to me what I should know. And then Samuel said, So why do you ask me? seeing the Lord has departed from you and has become your enemy. 
And the Lord has done for himself as he spoke by me. And the Lord, he's saying, the Lord did exactly what I told you he was going to do. For the Lord has torn the kingdom out of your hand and given it to your neighbor, David. Because you did not obey the voice of the Lord, nor execute his fierce wrath upon Amalek. Therefore, the Lord has done this thing to you this day. Moreover, whose fault was it? Was it God's fault or was it Saul who chose the curse? Immediately Saul fell full length on the ground and was dreadfully afraid because of the words of Samuel. And there was no strength in him, for he had eaten no food. And the woman came to Saul and saw that he was severely troubled and said to him, Look, your, your maidservant has obeyed your voice and I've put my life in my hands and heeded the words which you spoke to me. I skipped a part where, where uh, Samuel says to Saul that, that he's going to be where he is tomorrow. And tomorrow you and your son will be with me. The Lord will also deliver the army of Israel into the hand of the Philistines. So Samuel tells Saul that he's going to be with him. So was Saul saved? It's a possibility. It's interesting. What, what are you taking? Tell me. Let's talk theology. No, let's don't. Let's do this. <laughs> let's talk about the possibility of bringing up people from the dead. Let's talk about watching ghosts on television. Let's talk about all the things that we see that deal with this kind of stuff today that we act like is innocent. And then expect nothing to happen to us. Expect the blessings of God on us. Expect everything that God has for all his kids to happen to us. The truth is, is that you reap what you sow. If you sow righteousness, you reap blessing. If you sow corruption, you, you reap the fruit of what you sow. Whether you're a believer or not, God doesn't just protect you because you're his son. He protects you because you align yourself with him. So that's what we're going to, that's just the main thing. So let's look at 1 Chronicles chapter 10, verse 13. So Saul died for his unfaithfulness, which he had committed against the Lord, because he did not keep the word of the Lord and because he consulted a median for guidance. But he did not inquire of the Lord, therefore he killed him, the Lord killed him, and turned the kingdom over to David, his son Jesse. He gives the scripture and says Saul died because of his choices. Yes? You tracking with me? Turn to Romans chapter 1, verse 18. Oh, we're digging deep today. 
<laughs> this is culturally as relevant as anything in Scripture. Deuteronomy is that a pretty old book. It's pretty relevant, wouldn't you say? It's almost as if God knew what he was doing. Verse 18, chapter 1, verse 18. For I, Paul, am not ashamed of the good news of Jesus Christ. For it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. Now, if you'll turn to Acts, if you've got, how many of you have got this new living Spirit-filled life Bible, or the Spirit-filled life Bible? If you've got your Bible, turn to Acts chapter 2, I mean chapter 28. <coughs> Here you've got the Strongs, and one of the reasons I, I, I want you to see this, it says, Paul, I, Paul, am not ashamed of the good news of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation. Salvation occurs 45 times. It's an all-inclusive word signifying forgiveness, healing, prosperity, deliverance, safety, rescue, liberation, freedom, and restoration. Christ's salvation is total in scope for the total man, spirit, soul, and body. So the gospel is for it is, it is the power of God for all those things for who? For everyone who believes. Everyone. Say that with me. Everyone who believes. All those things are available for those of us who believe. First to the Jew and then to the Greek. For it is the righteousness of God, for, it, for in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. It's a progressive deal. It goes from one place to another. Uh, it, is, it, it is written that the just shall live by faith. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. So, so, so let's, just, let's just break this down a little bit. So the anger of God is revealed from heaven against ungodliness and the unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth with unrighteousness. But what I want you to see here is, is that men are suppressing the truth. Because in all men... In all women, the truth is in us because we're created in the image of God. There is a suppression of the truth. The Holy Spirit is wooing everyone to him. He, his desire, his will is that none should perish. And he's going to go on here in a moment and say that we have to suppress the truth to not see that, that he lives. Because all creation says that he lives, so no man's without excuse. Why? Because it's in every man. Right. And what they do is they suppress it. How do they suppress it? By choosing unrighteousness. They choose to do things that is outside the ways and the will of God. Does that make sense? Written right there in front of you. 
is very clear. For the wrath of God, the anger of God is revealed from heaven against all un ungodliness and unrighteousness, unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth. How? By doing unrighteousness. Because what may be known of God is manifest in them. 19. Huge scripture. Why is he angry at ungodliness and those who suppress the truth? Because what may be known of God is manifest in them. For God has shown it to them. Everybody. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made. In other words, everything that's made knows God. Remember the statement that I made not many weeks ago? I said, we're the only thing that rebels against God. We're the only thing he created that gives him the, the hand. We're the only thing that thinks we know more than him. We're the only thing created. God says here, for since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made. Even his eternal power and Godhead, even that is known, so that they, us, everybody, even those who choose unrighteousness are without excuse. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God. Nor were they thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, smarter than God, smarter than Christians, smarter than those who choose righteousness, Professing to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man. And that would be narcissism. My way, I did it my way. Or a philosophy of man or any type of thing that would Raise its head against God, including all the religions that make images like birds and four-footed animals and creeping things, which are all over the, the planet. Therefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness in the lust of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves. The lust of their hearts. They gave them, he gave them up to unrighteousness because of what they want, I want when I want when I want it. That's what lust is. Lust doesn't have to be sex, even though it can be. It's just, I want what I want when I want it. I don't care what you say, God. I like it. I'm going to do it. And he says he gave them up to that thought process, and, and this is what happens. Therefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness and the lust of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves who exchanged the truth of God for a lie. 
That's what happens. That's what happens. That's as simple as it gets. They exchange the truth of God for a lie. That's it. And then you can, you can take it all, all different places as far as, you know, ways of thinking. And then he gets into some other things that we're going to talk about here. But that is your basic thought that you really need to understand. And how I'm tying this in to a median, to soothsayers, to, to philosophies of men. Because you're exchanging the truth of God for philosophy, for another way of thinking, for another way of doing. Therefore God also gave them up to uncleanness in the left of the hearts, to dishonor their bodies among themselves, who exchanged the truth of God for a lie, and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. Narcissism again. They would worship the creature, what I want, when I want it, no matter what the creator says. And you could say whatever you want, but when we do that, we're worshiping ourselves. We then exalt ourselves above God when we say that we're going to do that. And that's idolatry. God explains that in Scripture. Can that be forgiven? Absolutely. You can... You know, it's not something that's unpardonable. It's not the unpardonable sin. But there's a lifestyle of this until to the point where you're exchanging all this philosophy, all these lies for the truth, and then it just turns you over. For this reason, God gave them up to vile passions. For even their women exchanged the natural use for what is against nature. Likewise, also the men leaving the natural use of the woman burned in their lust for one another. Men with men committing what is shameful and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error which was due. They received in themselves the penalty of their error. What was the penalty? There's just, you know, just perverted thinking, pain, anxiety, depression, all the things that come with when you're, you know, buying into the lies and you just buy into all this perversion. Now, what I want you to see in this is this is just the fruit. This is just the fruit of choosing another way other than God's. That's all it is. It is to buy into another system. Now let's keep going. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, and even as they did not like to retain God, in other words, they don't even like to think about God. Does this sound like our society? God gave them over to a debased mind to do those things which are not fitting. He gave them over to thinking the way they want to think. You think the way you want to think. Go ahead. Have at it with your bad self. Reap what that thinking sows. Reap what it sows. A culture can reap what that thinking sows. Right?
They were filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality. That's why I want you to see that this is just, those sexual sins are listed, but then in 29, he begins to list a bunch of other stuff that goes right along with homosexuality. Filled with unrighteousness, sexual immorality, that's number one. Wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full, people that are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness. They are whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things. They are disobedient to parents, undiscerning untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful. There are all those things. Who knowing the righteous judgment of God. What this verse is saying is that they know that they're going to be judged by God. But in their hearts, they say, if that's what God asked me to do, I, not, not only am I not willing to do it, but I don't even want to serve a God like that. How many times you heard that? You have, haven't you? It's right here in Romans 1. Who knowing the righteous judgment of God, that those who practice such things are deserving of death, not only do they do the same, but also approve of those who practice those things. There is a, there is just this, idea that not only am I going to do it, but I'm going to approve of the people who do the same thing I do. Turn with me back to verse 5. Through him we have received, through him, who? Jesus. Jesus. We, who's we? Those that received, have received power to do more than we can do on our own. And apostleship. For what? Obedience, Obedience to the faith. Obedience means to hear and listen with a compliant, submissive agreement. It means to listen and hear with a compliant, submissive agreement. And we are to be obedient to the faith among all the nations for his name sake because we're called to be Christ followers. How many of you know what a stronghold is? What would be a definition of a stronghold? So I can't hear you. Okay, anxiety. That would be. I mean, that would be a fruit. 
Well, so, something that keeps you in captivity. Let me give you the definition of a stronghold from the Greek word that is used, stronghold. It's an idea or an ideology or, this is my favorite part, or a personal confused belief that does not line up with the word of God. A personal confused belief that doesn't line up with the word of God is a stronghold. And so you have a group of people in Romans that's described that we see in our culture everywhere that are denying the truth and believing a lie. Now here's the deal. Here's the whole deal. How many of you, how many of you either don't ask God about personal foundational belief systems or don't want to hear what God has to say because you like the way you think about something, or you like aligning with culture about something, or, that's one thing, you can answer that in your own mind, don't tell anybody, I don't want to know. Number two, how many of you have prayed and asked God and God didn't answer you or didn't give you the answer you wanted so you begin to seek other sources outside of the ways and will of God and the word of God. And it might not have been a median. It might not have been a ghost. But it was another philosophy that was contrary to the knowledge of the Word of God so that you could get an answer and you followed that advice. See what I'm saying? That's no different than what we see with Saul. Because the bottom line in what you see in all this is there are spirits everywhere trying to get, find your stronghold, get you locked down to where you're either crying out to God or looking to God or looking for other things to rescue you. And God is a jealous God. All he wants us to do is cry out to him, get his opinion, get him to lead us and guide us out of this and bless us and align with his way. Believe him. Align with him. Believe God. I'm going to do it your way. Because I want to bear the fruit of your way. I don't want to end up like Saul. There are a lot of Christians who end up like Saul. Is Saul in heaven? It might be. But he lived a hellish end of his life. It was hell on earth. That is possible for Christians everywhere. And the, how he got there was not aligning himself with God. By being insecure and fearful and allowing strongholds to come in, get the best of him, and then he looked to other things other than God for the answer. That's what's in all these stories.
That's what's there. And the fruit of that was ugly. It was ugly. But God says, you're mine. God says, don't do that. (laughs) Choose righteousness. But he wrote the story. See, I want you to see that it's not a negative, oppressive story. It's a flashing red light or a yellow light. Caution, caution, caution. Stop, 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 stop. Here's a story of somebody who did to the end of their life what you're doing. It didn't turn out well. Stop it. You're my kid. There is a power available to you, and it's called grace, that will lead you out, and you can bear good fruit, fruits of blessing. What do you have to do? Give up your way. Quit looking to the world system. Quit flirting with divination. It's everywhere. It's everywhere. It's in so many movies. Now listen, I don't want to be religious, and I don't want to tell you not to watch movie A or B or C or D, but listen, Nathan and I were looking at a movie the other day, and we, he just got to talking with me, and I can't remember the name of it. Don't, huh? The Dark Tower. And the Dark Tower was the good tower. And it, it was a portal. Come on. And the dark tower was to get rid of the enemy, the evil one, which was the light. Now that is, in, I don't know what the movie was about, but I'm telling you, that's the way they sold the movie. Now, for me, I'm going gates, portals, divination, dark. Light, I'm not subjective myself. That's risky to me. Because all of it's real. And you say, well, you're making too much over that. Let me just tell you this, man. I don't think, I think Saul had that same attitude. I think he did. I don't know what, that movie might be a good movie. I don't know. I just read the, what do, what do you call it? It's the, uh, <laughs> it's the summary. Yeah, the summary of the movie. That's how the summary of the movie was described when we read it on the phone. You look at so much stuff, and it's got so much witchcraft in it. It is absolutely unbelievable. And if you don't believe that thing, stuff is real, you just need to read this stuff. And that, you know, that says to me, Alex, you're too stupid to know anything but me. (laughs) This is how I think about myself. So if you'll listen to me, I know it all. So lean on me, boss, because you ain't much. Don't go anywhere else. Don't look anywhere else. Don't open yourself up to that mess. It's real. Align yourself with me. Make sure that you're aligning yourself with me. Listen, there's enough to going to happen in your life today that you need to make sure you align yourself with me. Now, what does that mean? That means there should be no fear. There shouldn't be worry. There should be peace. There shouldn't be anxiety or depression. Now, I know all those things are real.
and I'm not making light of them. What I'm saying to you is there's a grace available to bring you to a different place. It says from faith to faith. It is a progress, a pathway out into blessing if you follow God's way. Now that might be two days, that might be two months, that might be two years. It's, but it's faith to faith. And you, you just got to watch your mind to make sure that you're aligning with God. If your attitudes and your way of thinking is aligning with a different way of thinking, let me give you an, an idea. Let me just say, say this. Let's say that Let me give you an example. Michael and I were talking this week. When I was in high school, I played football, and, and I played linebacker, and so I made a lot of tackles. Linebackers make a lot of tackles. If y'all don't know anything about football, just bear with me. It'll make sense. Linebackers make a lot of tackles. Well, I played in this particular game, and we played one of the higher-ranked teams in the state in our conference, and we played that game, and I didn't make many tackles. They double-teamed me and ran to the other side all day long, and I usually made lots of tackles, and I might have been on, in on two plays. Well, I was having this big pity party in the locker room after the game was over because I didn't play good. I didn't make many tackles. I didn't do this, that, or that. We beat the team. But I'm having a pity party, right? Is that thinking accurate when if the, if the goal and the vision is this, and, and that was what we were, and we did that well, how could I be in this condition? I couldn't be thinking right, could I? So I have to recognize that I'm not thinking in a right way and begin to focus on what I need to be focused on and rejoicing over what I need to be rejoicing over so I can get myself back on track. And that takes deliberate action. Because the emotions were real. Right? I didn't feel like I did well. You feel like a failure. You feel like you stink. And that's not God for sure, right? That's a simple thing, but it happens everywhere in life. And it happens on a daily basis. It happens in school. It happens at work. It happens in marriage. So we got to check ourselves and recognize that the joy of the Lord is our strength. Am I entering into his rest? Am I, am I going about life Hard, but somehow I'm rested? Is it still rest? Am I at peace? Because that's the end goal. What am I doing and what am I thinking that is contrary to the way God wants me to do and think that brings those things about because that's what he says about me. And I have to be, if I'm not, and I said this Sunday, if I'm not, I have to be aligning myself with hellish forces. Hellish way of thinking. Divination. Divination, all that is, is it's just a source of philosophy that's different than God's. And it, most of the time it comes from a demonic because all the angel, only thing that's against God are the angels that fail. And so that's what comes up with that way of thinking. Do you understand? Is that simple? That's simple, isn't it? Yeah. 
And so if we're not thinking like God, the only way we could be doing it is aligning ourselves with hellish forces. That's right, isn't it? So, so our goal is to stop that mess. Right? Because the result's the same result. To me, you can go through this stuff all day long, and you can try to figure out, did Samuel really come alive? Was that a ghost? Was that a demon? Or can you see the crux of the story is that this is real stuff, and it's real stuff in my life. And I better be aware of it, or the same stuff that happened to him is going to happen to me. I mean, it's that stinking simple. You can get complicated with it. You can get theological, and you can get really analytical. Or you can actually get practical and recognize that there's an invisible realm that wants to, to kill, steal, and destroy you. It wants to give you strongholds, get you thinking, philosophies that are outside. And then if you do that long enough, God turns you over to those philosophies and whatever fruit they bear. But everybody is being wooed to come into agreement with God. And everybody knows because they were created in the image of God. And so no man is without excuse. And it's our choice of whether we're going to say to ourselves, I'm going to agree with you, God. Today, today, everything I do, everything I think, every decision I make, everything that comes out of my mouth, every action, every attitude, I recognize the fact that your salvation is for me, mind, soul, and body. Healing, prosperity, protection. That's mine if I'll just agree with you. And so I'm going to practice agreeing with you, and I'm going to move from faith to faith to faith to faith to faith to faith. And one day, I'm going to look back and say, man, I look a lot more like Jesus today than I did six months ago. How many have been following the Lord for over 10 years? Raise your hand. Over 10. Over 20. Keep your hands up. Over 30. Okay. Even for us. Even for us over 30. I really want you to hear this. Faith to faith to faith. Because there's so much you've got to learn about your God. You're not smart enough to know it all. And you're not exactly like him yet. You're pretty daggum close, I'm pretty sure. But God wants you to go from faith to faith. Let's be determined to do that. Let's be aware. When you were praying about, you know, you can look at the media. You can see the attitudes and all the stuff that's going on in our nation. And you can see all the spiritual stuff that's listed in this daggone book. And your job is to align yourself as a believer, not as a Democrat and not as a Republican. You're a Christian. I, I, that might be sacrilegious for some of you. I'm going to say it again. You're not a Democrat first. You're not a Republican first. You're a Christian. And any one of those two philosophies that are anti-Christ, you need to blow that thinking off. And they're in both parties. 
you're a Christian. Align yourself with Him. Thanks for listening to the Eastside Church Podcast. If you have any questions or need more information, visit our website, eastsidechurch.co.